You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Exodus chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 8 to verse 12. I will ask that those that are in the hall rise up for the reading of God's holy word. Exodus 1, 8 to 12. Amen. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Take charge, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read in your hearing. Now there arose a new king in Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go up out of the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithon and Ramses. Verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. A Pharaoh that knew not Joseph arose and sought to afflict the children of Israel in order to subdue them, to discombobulate them, to dissuade them, to discourage them, to depress them, to use and abuse them. He used them to build his cities and his great edifices. But our text says that the gates of hell did not prevail against the children of Israel. It didn't say it that way. It said it this way. That the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. I came to tell you prophetically this Sunday morning that your growth is inevitable. Your growth is unstoppable. Your growth is going to happen. Against all odds, you will grow. If you believe it, shout amen. Type amen on Facebook, on YouTube. Your growth is imperative. You must grow up. But note, you must grow up, not just go up. The subject of my meditation is grow up. Don't just go up. Father, help me in these next few moments. Speak through me. Cause my tongue to be as the pen of the ready writer that I might inscribe upon the hearts of the men and women here your living truth. And by reason of that truth, may we be elevated to a new level of experience with you. Lord, cause me to be the catalyst. Cause me to be the fertilizer. Cause me to be the, uh, the trigger for exponential growth in the lives of your children today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the people shouted aloud, amen. amen. Hallelujah. And as you take your seat, whisper to your neighbor, grow up, don't just go up. Grow up, don't just go up. All right. I'm going to move pretty fast, but do pay attention. 
why was the new Pharaoh so intimidated with the Israelites that he called a board meeting into his secret chambers to start to lay plans on how to contain the Israelites? Well, the reason this Pharaoh was so intimidated by the Israelites was because he saw the possibilities of Israel before even Israel achieved such self-awareness. Israel was not aware of its own potential, its own power, its own strength. But Pharaoh saw this possibility. Uh, can I talk to somebody this Sunday morning and let you know that you are bigger and stronger than you are even aware of? But Satan knows it. You are bigger, you are stronger, you've got more going for you than you are aware of. You see, Satan often sees you before you see you. Did you hear me what I said? I said Satan often sees you before you see you. Often what the devil is saying and doing against you is actually a revelation of who you are. <laughs> it's going to make sense in a few moments. Pharaoh understood the imperative of growth. Uh, you see, he understood the power in growth. He understood what growth can do. And great leaders understand how powerful growth is indeed. I dare tell you that political leaders don't mess around with growth. They're always monitoring and watching what is growing. Even in this nation, there's a constant monitor on who is growing, who is not growing. Uh, various ethnicities, various typologies, various demographics are being monitored for their growth because political un uh, leaders understand that growth is equal to power. <laughs> Uh, what did Pharaoh really understand about growth? He understood that growth uh, means increased influence and increased possibilities. Can I prophesy to somebody that your growth is going to cause an increase in your influence and is going to cause an overflow of possibilities for you? If you believe it, shout amen. You need to understand this about growth, that uh, your growth is a threat. Your growth is a threat. Is a threat to the enemy, is a threat to uh, all sorts of people that are opposed to you. Your growth threatens them. Oh, my goodness. Can I, can I announce to somebody this Sunday morning, Satan is afraid of you. You've been afraid of Satan, but I came to tell somebody this Sunday morning that Satan is afraid of you. What's he afraid about? He's afraid of your growth. He's afraid that you will grow to find out who you really are, the power and the authority that's inside your hand, and therefore you will defeat him at every turn. The gates of hell are arrayed against your growth. Stop running away from Satan. Satan is scared for you. Resist the devil and he will flee. 
Satan is afraid of you. He's afraid of your growth. Satan is not fighting you for where you are. He's fighting you for where he sees you going. Did anybody hear me? He sees your potential. He sees your possibility. He sees your power. He's bringing out his best weapons against you, small little you, because he realizes and can see that small little you isn't small after all. You are a nation changer. You are a deliverer of multitudes. You are somebody that's going to cause revival. So stop crying about the attack. Realize that the attack is a compliment to your power. Somebody go ahead and give God the praise this Sunday morning. Satan sees your potentialities and he's scared stiff. Why grow? Growth is, as we have already seen, is equal to increased influence and possibility. Uh, when you grow, your market value increases. When you grow, shalabos. <laughs> Uh, the, the people start to court you for partnership because they can see the value in your growth. Now, I know that typically whenever a pastor stands up and says, I'm going to be teaching about growth in this season at this time, some people get defensive because they think that that pastor is only after church growth. But no, that devil is a liar. It's not about church growth. It's about your growth. Uh, that's what I'm after this month. That's what I'm pursuing this month. I want to see you grow. I want you to, to see you grow in every area and in every aspect of your life. I want to see you grow in your character, to grow in your relationships, to grow in your businesses, to grow in every sphere of life. I've come to be a catalyst and a fatality for your exponential growth. And if you are ready to grow under the word of God this Sunday morning, come and shout, yeah! I came to equip you for growth. What is growth? Now, growth is the process of increasing in physical size, the dictionary tells us, developing or maturity, maturing physically, mentally, or spiritually, increasing in amount, value, or importance. Synonyms for growth include, inc include increase, expansion, augmentation, proliferation, multiplication, enlargement, amplification, mushrooming, snowballing, rising, escalation, build-up, development, evolution. Growth is movement. I came to move somebody this Sunday morning. I came to move you out of your comfort zone. I came to move you out of where you've been sitting for so long. You've been going around that mountain long enough. It's time for you to go northwards. I came to move you up. But for you to grow up, you have to first of all have a, a growth mindset. Somebody say growth mindset. Somebody type growth mindset. You've got to have the right mindset for growth. A growth mentality. A mentality set to grow. As surely as there's a growth mindset, there is also an anti-growth mindset. An anti-growth mindset is one that is up 
supposed to grow. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, most of us would immediately say, I have a growth mindset. Uh, I am positioned for growth. I want to grow. Uh, and even though we say that, when we look a little bit more closely at your life, we find out uh, that your growth is actually being sabotaged by some anti-growth ideologies behind the scenes. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying? An anti-growth mindset uh, is, 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 loves its comfort zone and the familiar. So I might say I want to grow, but at the same time, I want to maintain my comfort zone and what I'm familiar to. That's an anti-growth mindset because growth does not happen in your comfort zone. It happens outside your growth comfort zone. So you've only paid lip service to wanting to grow. You're not changing your mindset that really leads to growth. An anti-growth mindset is preoccupied with its own convenience and preferences as long as it's only about what is convenient for you and what you prefer, you are not ready to grow. An anti-growth mindset only pays lip service to the introduction of new and innovative ways of doing things. Because when the rubber meets the road, it insists on still keeping with what it used to grow to do. An anti-growth mindset quickly sets up its own small circle of friends and acquaintances and is unaccommodative of allowing anybody new to join our club. Anti-growth mindset. So we say, I want to grow, but we still nurture and keep all these anti-growth mindsets. If you will grow, you must get out of your comfort zone and be comfortable with discomfort. Oh yes, you've got to get to a place where you smile at frustration because that frustration is what's making you go to your next level. Oh, is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? If you will grow, you must be willing to adventure in the unfamiliar. You've got to be willing to go to dinner parties or to the dinner table with people well above your state and even though your knees are knobbly and you're wondering what does that fork mean and what does that what do they use that spoon for you still gonna go there because that's how you grow you grow by exposing yourself you grow by learning ah uh, yes if you will grow you must leave your preferences and convenience in the dust and press towards purpose if you will grow innovation and change must become your best friend if you will grow. If you will grow, you must be willing to pay the price for growth. Don't miss next Sunday. Because next Sunday, I'm going to be talking to you about intentional growth. And the challenge with growth is because naturally, physiologically, as children, we grow up. And it, it, it seduces us to think that growth is therefore automatic. But that devil is a liar. When you come to a certain age, you start to realize that you are not going to grow unless you are intentional about your growth. Ah, we must embrace a growth mindset that is always seeking to learn. A growth mindset has never arrived. 
And this can be a challenge for those of us that are leaders because you couldn't have been a leader without having not acquired quite a bit of a knowledge base. And because you've acquired quite a bit of a knowledge base, you are at, actually at risk of falling into what I call the frozen leader syndrome. The frozen leader syndrome is one in which because you have arrived at a certain level, uh, you are no longer open to new information because you think that you know it all now. But that devil is a liar. You've got to maintain a growth mindset that no matter how high I've got, I'm still open to receiving new information that's going to take me yet higher. I'm growing up. I'm not just going up. If there's anybody like that under the sound of my voice, shout yes. But even as I make the argument for growth over the next few weeks, I must make the distinction between growing up and going up. Many people desire to go up, but are unwilling to grow up. And there is nothing more devastating than immaturity in authority. There is nothing more painful and costly than a novice in power. The problem with going up without growing up is that you won't be able to stay up. Only those who grow up stay up. Those who just go up will soon be on their way down. Grow up. Don't just go up. We're going to quickly look at a case study from God's word. Open your Bibles quickly to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 45 to 9, uh, 49. 45 to 49, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Media, help me put up that portion of scripture and I'll quickly read through it. It says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. Verse 47, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of the dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Minister Zubi, please, can I borrow you for a few moments? Come up on, on stage. And could you be on my left-hand side? Minister God's will, I think I'm going to need you also on my right-hand side for a few moments. Uh, a little bit closer, don't worry. Um, I'm double vaccinated too. <laughs> Hallelujah, face the congregation. Amen and amen. Now, this scripture tells us that Adam, Adam, the first Adam, Adam was the first Adam, and he was also the first man. But another man came that was different from the first Adam. He was the last Adam. And the scripture says that he, this last Adam 
was the second man. So the first Adam was the first man. The last Adam was the second man. he was the last man and also the second man, what does this mean? Where the first Adam and the first man was from is the earth, while the last Adam, who is the second man, was from heaven. So we start to see that there's only one that is from heaven that is above all. Who is he? Jesus Christ. So this last Adam, who is the second man, is Jesus Christ. The second man was also the last Adam. Now, what does this mean? Why, why is he second man and last Adam? Now, for you to understand that, you have to understand who Adam was. Now, Adam, Adam the first Adam, was the first man. Now, Adam was actually the prototype. He was the prototype. He was the model. He was the mold from which all other men would be shaped. He, so he's the first Adam. He's the first man. So anybody and everyone that comes from him is molded after him. So everybody that gets birthed behind him and gets birthed behind him, he's the first man, he's the first Adam, is going to be like him. He's going to carry his DNA, his proclivities, what is written into his code. He's the prototype. And this is also how they make vehicles. They, 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 they create a prototype. And then once they've tested the prototype and they're confident that the prototype passes, they then mass produce cars after it. And uh, sometimes you have recalls when they find out that there's a problem in the car that they didn't catch when they were making the prototype. And then they have to have a recall <laughs> to take your cars. Some of you are praying that your car will have a recall because sometimes when you get that recall, you get a new car. Uh -huh. uh, so there has to be a recall. So Adam fell from glory, and therefore everybody that was birthed from Adam, the first Adam, who is the first man, had that same designer flaw, if you like, uh, had that same error inside it. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. That's why um, David prophetically said, although he was speaking specifically about himself, that in, in iniquity I was formed and in sin did I come forth. Uh, he was actually talking about the fact that he was born out of wedlock. But yet, by prophetic interpretation, he was also speaking about all mankind, that everyone born after the order of the first Adam, the first man, would have that same proclivity to sin. Nobody taught you to lie, but at two years, three years of age, uh, mommy said, did you eat that cake? And with crumbs all over your face, you said, no, 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 it wasn't me. Nobody taught you, but you did. Woo, hallelujah. So when you understand this, you now start to understand why the scripture says that Jesus Christ is the last Adam. 
The reason he has to be the last Adam is because if he was the second Adam, it would open the door to the possibility that there would be other Adams. Now, Adam represents prototype. That means there would be other prototypes. And what he was trying to get us to see is that after this prototype, after this Jesus Christ, there is no other prototype coming up because this prototype is perfect and without flaw. He is the last Adam. It is finished, perfected, and complete in him. Uh, listen to what Hebrews says about him in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 to verse 3b. He says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in past times to the fathers of the prophet, to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the worlds, who being, listen to what he says about Jesus, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, the perfect prototype. But then, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 said that he's also the second man. The question is, why is he the second man and not the last man? The reason he's the second man and not the last man is, number one, in comparison with the first and the last Adam, he was the first man, this is the second man. He was the first prototype, this is the second prototype. The other reason that he's the second man is because it, it was known that after this second man, who is also the last Adam, there will be other men. There will be the third man and the fourth man and the sixth man and the seventh man, and the eighth man, all following the same prototype of the second man who is the last Adam. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying? That's why Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 and 29 says that whom he foreknew, he predestined, and whom he predestined, he, he, he predestined them to be conformed to what? The image of his son, who is the firstborn from the dead. Jesus Christ, the last Adam, the second man, he's the firstborn. And now anyone that is born again, that is born in Christ Jesus, is created after this same image. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. So by new birth, I have ceased to be after the image of the first Adam, the first man. I am now after the image of the last Adam, the second. Oh, you don't hear me, what I'm saying. This is why you must be born again. Because you thought that sin was an act. Sin is a nature. You are born into it. After the first Adam, you have to be born again such that now you have a different image. Woo! Now, when you read what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it lets you see, Paul wrote that as surely as we have borne the image of the first Adam, who is from the dust, dust, and so we too have behaved like those from the dust. 
Oh, jai, jai, jai. Are you people hear me? Ah, yeah. I've seen those behaviors. We all had it inside us. Uh, dust behaviors. Uh, oh, yeah. Because dust art thou, and to dust shall you return. Yeah? Yeah, we were from the dust. But he said that surely as we have borne this image, so shall we also bear the image of he that is from above. We were up below before, but now that we bear the image of he that is from above, and he that is from above is above all. Hallelujah. The first Adam was a living soul. The, the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. Therefore, we now have a life-giving spirit. You are not just a living soul. You are a life-giving spirit. You carry the very life of God. It's time for you to renew your mind and start to understand who you really are. Of the many marked differences between the first and the last Adam, we now zero in on possibly what I would consider to be the most critical difference between them in the context of growth. Thank you, Minister Zubi and Minister Godswell. So, we now look more closely and we realize and we start to say, why was the first Adam a failed prototype? The first Adam was born grown. We have no record of that first Adam growing up. He was born fully grown, a fully grown man. He was born already up. He did not have to grow up. But Luke chapter 2, verse 40, and then verse 52 lets us know of Jesus, the last Adam, that the child grew and became. The child grew. He grew. Grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And he says in verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. So, so Jesus grew. Though he was already up, yet he grew. <laughs> he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, already showing us three imperative areas where you must grow. Three imperative areas where I insist that you grow this month in the name of Jesus. You're going to grow in wisdom. You're going to grow in stature. You're going to grow in favor in the mighty name of Jesus. The key point here is that Jesus grew up while Adam went up. When you grow up, you retain what you garner on the way up. When you go up, you are able to retain scarce little. Growing up has more to do with character than giftedness. Your gift can take you up. But it's your character that will keep you up. So I pray, Lord, don't let your, my gift or the gifts you've given me take me where I do not yet have the character to stay. Growing up is about developing 
character. Going up is about your gift. is making room for you and taking you places, and it's important. I teach about gifts all the time, but as I teach about gifts, I've also got to instruct you about growing up in your character. Adam was born grown. He was placed in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Eve was pulled out of his side and called to be a helpmeet for him. They had the perfect life, but then all things fall apart. Eve was deceived by the enemy to substitute grace for the works of the law, the works of the flesh. You understand that? So they fell from glory and they were cursed as a result of their actions. But what really spotlights the difference between the first Adam and the last Adam going up and growing up is the conversation that ensued between Adam and God after their disobedience. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 9 to 12, God comes back into the garden looking for them, and then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? And the man, Adam, said, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Adam's response to the query as to whether he had eaten of the tree forbidden is very instructive indeed. He said, it is the woman that you gave me that gave me to eat of this tree, and I did eat. He was throwing his wife under the bus. He was passing on the bulk. He was shifting the blame. He failed to take responsibility, but rather shifted the responsibility to another. He did not just pass the buck onto his wife, because when you listen closely to his statement, he said, it is the woman that you gave me. So he was actually blaming God for the situation they now found themselves in. Before we attack Adam for his irresponsibility, can we stop and examine ourselves and realize that we often do the same and park the blame truck at the doorstep of God? We are quick to say, God, why did you allow this? God, why am I going Going through what I went through. God, why is all hell breaking loose in my life? We're quick to park the blame truck at his door. Never our fault. It's always somebody else's fault. The big failure of Adam wasn't really eating of the forbidden fruit. The big failure of Adam was actually not taking responsibility for the action. Imagine how the story would have been different if when God asked that question, Adam had said, yes, it is I. I ate of the fruit. Uh, let it be upon me. I cover my wife. But no, he did not take responsibility. This is what is at the heart of the difference between going up and growing up. Those that just go up don't take responsibility and always look for every opportunity to pass the bulk on to someone else. If you are going to grow, you are going to have to embrace responsibility. Finding someone to blame sabotages your growth. 
I know, I know, I know. I know the pain is real. I know the frustration is great. But you are not going to grow through the pain and the frustration by always finding somebody else to blame instead of introspecting and into yourself and say, okay, so how can I grow from this experience? And I know we've been living in challenging times, times like no other. We've been experiencing pain like we've not experienced pain before. And we are always, when you are in pain, one of the natural human responses to pain is to look for who to blame. And so a lot of us have fallen into the trap of blaming this and blaming that. Oh, he didn't call me. He doesn't care. Oh, the government. No, the church. No, my brother. No, my sister, my daddy, my mommy, my auntie, my uncle. What about you? You can't control what has happened, but you can control whether you are going to grow from it or whether you're going to throw yourself a nice pity party. Grow up. Hallelujah. Amen. Finding someone to blame sabotages your growth. Those that truly grow take on the responsibility, even responsibility that is not theirs. <laughs> Next level. Your attitude and relationship with responsibility will determine whether you are growing up or just going up. It's not a function of chronological age because I've met people of chronological age, advanced, but yet as babies. Adam did not take responsibility and therefore the cursed passed down the lineage. When you just go up and don't grow up, you don't learn to take responsibility. Yet the true determinant of your next level is the responsibility that you are willing to embrace or the responsibility that you always avoid. What separates the boys from the men? is the responsibility that they are willing to shoulder. Whew. It was nine years ago today, the 8th of August, that I was sent from West Africa to shoulder the responsibility of this local assembly today. To take on responsibility that was not originally mine. Because growth is about taking on responsibility. Is the load easy? His burden is light, his load is easy. But in the natural, my goodness. Whew. Many days of wanting to pull out the hair that I didn't have. Um, Wanting to quit. But growth is not by the avoidance of responsibility, but the taking on of responsibility until you are willing to demonstrably take on more responsibility than your JD, you are not going to get the promotion. Oh, but I do everything they give me to do. That doesn't qualify you for a promotion. What qualifies you for a promotion is when you are doing more than is expected of you. Taking on more responsibility. Your promotion is on the other side of the responsibility that you are willing to take. 
So as I quickly start to bring the message to a close, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, did the opposite of the first Adam. The last Adam took responsibility that was not even his. Where Adam did not cover his wife but exposed her and blamed God, Jesus covered his bride and took responsibility for her. On the cross, he stood in the gap between a righteous God and the sin of man and said, put it on me. Do you see what I'm talking about? He took respect. He never sinned. He never sinned. He was not standing there for his own sin. He didn't eat the apple that Adam ate. It wasn't an apple, by the way. I don't know why they always call it an apple. The scripture says a fruit. The fruit of the tree of the knowledge. And evil. Somebody has a problem with apples. That's why they always call it apple. <laughs> Jesus stood in the gap. He didn't sin. He was without sin, spotless. He took on sin that was not his. He took responsibility that was not his. Put it on me. Put it on me. Woo! Forgive them, he said, for they know not what they do. He who knew no sin became sin, so that we who knew no righteousness might become the righteousness of God. He set us an example as regards responsibility. If you will grow up and not just go up, you must take responsibility. But to, as I close, focus, I want you to focus on the fact that he has taken responsibility for you. I was just basking in that knowledge that he is responsible for me. He paid the price for me. It is finished, he said. All things are ready. He is responsible for me. He is responsible for you. That means that as a responsible father. He has made every provision for every need that you yourself are not yet aware of. He did not shirk from his responsibility. He will supply for all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Now you are responsible. Your responsibility is to bask in his responsibility that he has taken for you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you are responsible for me. You are responsible for my down sitting and my uprising. For my laying my head to sleep at night and waking up in the morning. You are responsible. You have made every provision. You said it is finished. It's a finished one. Thank you for the responsibility you have taken for my life. Now you too must take responsibility for your own growth in that grace. How do you grow against all odds? Whew. Because you are rooted and grounded in the finished work, there is nothing the enemy can bring against you that will not still enhance your growth. Because you know it's already a finished work. Come on, shoot your best shot, Lord. The devil is still going to propel me upwards. So the more they afflict you, the more you multiply and grow. I see your afflictions. Receive it if you believe it. I see your afflictions becoming multiplications today in the mighty name 
of Jesus. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I see your pain becoming gain. I see your frustrations becoming elevations. You are growing up and not just going up. In Jesus' mighty name. He has made every provision. It's a finished work. He has taken responsibility and has given you everything you need to also grow up. Grow up. Grow in his grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We take a moment this Sunday morning to just thank you, our last Adam, our second man, our firstborn, for taking responsibility and standing in the gap for us. We set our sights upon your finished work and we bless you. On the premise of that finished work, we arise to take responsibility for our growth. You've got to take responsibility for your growth. Knowing he's already done his part, your part is to insist on growing no matter what. No matter what. I pray over you, your afflictions whew, are becoming multiplications. Your pain is becoming gain. Your frustration is becoming elevation in the name of Jesus. I insist that all things are working together for your good. That even in times like this, when they say there's a casting down, you will say that there's a lifting up in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. If you are out there and you haven't come into the commonwealth that there is in Christ Jesus, if you have not embraced the finished work and what has been done for you, this is your opportunity. This is your time. Don't harden your heart. Rather, receive this great and awesome gift that is made available to you. Repeat these words of prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I repent of my sin. I accept you as my Lord and my personal Savior. I believe in my heart and I have made this confession with my mouth. Therefore, by faith, I am born again. Thank you, Jesus. We're so happy that you made that decision. We're so happy that you said that prayer. You believed in your heart. You spoke those words. So you indeed, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Uh, we want to help you to grow in the Lord. So please get in touch with us on our website, on any of our social media platforms by direct messaging us there or on the details that are now on screen. And we will help you to grow in the Lord. You need to be planted in a good church and this is a good church for you to be planted in where you will grow in leaps and bounds. So join us and let's grow together in the Lord. Hallelujah. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, 
visit our website on hotr.org.uk.